0: If you would take your scriptures, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs 2, we'll be reading the entire chapter. Proverbs 2, would you give ear to the reading of God's word? My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. For he guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, in every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you, to deliver you from the way of evil from the man who speaks perverse things. For those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, And who are devious in their paths. To delight you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the path of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your word this morning with a desire in our hearts to grow stronger in this wonderful life you have given us. Ezekiel was told to prophesy to some dead bones. He said, And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. This was a picture to Ezekiel of the power of your word to bring to life that which is dead. You have given us life even though we were dead. Open our hearts this morning. Build us up through your word. So our life will bring glory and honor to you in all we do. We ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, we have been looking at the fourth book of Psalms. Through the study of these Psalms, we have learned of God's plan for his people. We also learned of our Almighty God and his character. We saw him as a sovereign and all-powerful God. We saw his wisdom and learned of his holiness. This week... I want to interject his purpose in creation and his plan for his greatest creature. The second chapter of Proverbs gives a very good layout of God's plan for mankind. We have already seen wisdom solemnly warn the rebellious and scorns of the wicked. In Proverbs 2, we hear the instructions given to those who are dutiful in their search for the truth. We find an answer to the question Job was asking again and again. He asked in Job two, twelve and twenty and twenty one, Where can wisdom be found? In Proverbs one seven, wisdom is set out as the fear and knowledge of God. It is shown to be a principle of practical godliness. It is a preservation from temptations that can so easily beset. It is presented as a guide into the right and safe path. So it would be wise that you follow the teachings of Scripture, that you forsake the certain ruin of those who despise such wisdom. God has given to the people of this world through his revelation rules for attaining wisdom. The path is clearly laid out. It's laid out in such a way as even the youngest and simplest can understand and apply those rules to their lives. When you carefully study, when you diligently apply these principles, they will furnish the key for the understanding of the whole word of God. There is not any place that you can turn to learn how to live this life outside of the word of God. If you truly want to live your life in a way that will be, will have a serious effect on those the Lord places around you, then here is the answer. God gives you the plan for life in these great and wise principles. As we begin to look at Proverbs 2, we will see God's prerequisites for personal blessing. Second, we will find God's principles for the earnest believer. Third, we shall be taught God's prescription for the believer's walk. Fourth, we will hear of God's provisions. For the believer and unbeliever. Do you want to be blessed by God? No. Now, I can't imagine answering that question and have nobody answering it yes. <laughs> I want God's blessing upon my life, and I trust each of you do also. Here in Proverbs, you're told how you can get such a blessing. Understand, this is not some formula you can just plug in certain things and have God's blessings. It doesn't work that way. There are things that you must in your life have because your heart wants them there. You desire them with all of your being. The whole process of godliness is a hard issue. To begin this process of coming under the blessing of God you must first receive the words of wisdom that come from God. Proverbs 2, 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, then listen carefully. Throughout Scripture, you are admonished that those who have an ear to hear should listen and listen diligently. Why is it so important that we listen and hear? As I have pointed out many times before, Christianity is a religion of the ear, not the eye. If it were a religion of the eye, as so many seem to want to make it, the greatest group of believers ever would have been that that group of people that came out of Egypt in Moses' day. They saw more miracles and greater miracles than any other group of people in the world. But as you know, They came out of Egypt, and a few weeks after arriving at Mount Sinai, what were they doing? They were building a golden calf to worship. They had just witnessed one of the most spectacular miracles of all time, the parting of the sea and the destruction of Pharaoh and his army. Yet they did not believe in the God who saved them. Christians are called to believe. They are called to believe because they have heard, not because they have seen. When Thomas heard of the resurrection of Christ from the other disciples, he didn't believe. It was only after Christ showed him the scars of the crucifixion that he believed. Do you remember what Christ said to him after that? John 20, verse 29. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You are to receive Christ's words in your heart. And by receiving those words of redemption, you're blessed of God with salvation. Christ said, it was an evil generation that sought a sign. You believe by faith, not sight. Once you've received his word, you must obey them. What good would it be to simply receive his words and then not use them? They would be... Nothing to you. They would do you absolutely no good. You must make his words yours. You must carry them wherever you go. They must become your greatest treasure. You're told in Psalm 119, 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What does this mean? He wants you to let your heart be the hiding place for your treasure. Can you hide anything other than words in your heart? Not, no, words can only be saved in the heart. They can be good words of life or evil words of death. When they are in the words of life from Scripture, it's important that you know. It is in the heart alone that they can find safety. We learned in the parable of the sower... Satan cannot come in and steal words planted in the fertile ground of the heart. The well-prepared soul. He can't snatch them away. So your first prerequisite is to receive and obey the Word of God. You can receive and obey what you hear, but is that enough? No. The wisdom of God is unlimited. You never hear it all in this lifetime. The second prerequisite is to pursue God's wisdom. Proverbs 2, verses 2 through 4. So that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Because of Adam's sin, there is none who can find God's wisdom. Not one. The word to all believers is he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Who has such an ear? Who has such an ear when it comes to God's wisdom? Paul says in Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. There's no man. There is no man who has in and of himself such an ear. The promise of the new covenant is that God will give a new heart and a new spirit. What is the purpose of these gifts? According to Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three, 33, and again in Hebrews 8, 10, it is to give an ear with which to hear and a heart with which to obey. Once God gives you this new heart, you can pursue the wisdom of God. You must pursue the wisdom of God. You seek it out so you might grow in your knowledge and understanding of the plan of redemption and of your Savior. Through this process of receiving God's Word, hiding it in your heart, and living your life in accord with its teaching, you will, with God's most gracious help, have fulfilled the prerequisites to God's blessing of eternal life. Is this a work of salvation? You've got to do this to be saved? No, for what God does, for what does God's word teach about salvation? It says you must see yourself clearly as a sinner and see your need of a savior. They also teach that Christ alone is that savior. You must believe the Scripture that Christ is the only Savior and the one who did everything necessary for your salvation. He came into this world. He lived that perfect life you could never live. He died the atoning death you had to have to be reconciled to God. He won the resurrection victory to open heaven's gate for you. So you must obey his teaching. You must hold fast to him as your Savior, remembering always that you cannot save yourself. You cannot add one thing to the process of your salvation. You obey and follow his principles in order to show to the world around you that you love and appreciate all he did for you in the saving of your soul. If you follow these two prerequisites, you will know the blessing of God. You will know Jesus Christ as your one true hope of eternal life. Once you have fulfilled the prerequisites for salvation, you will begin to see God's promise to those who truly believe. You will enter a time of growth, a time when you are being set apart for service to a holy God. Once you have come to God acknowledging you're a sinner, in need of a Savior, and have believed what you heard, that Christ is the only Savior who is now hidden in your heart. Then you will learn to discern the two great principles of godliness. Proverbs 2.5 Then you will, hard, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Here are two principles all believers must come to possess. First, understanding the fear of the Lord. Second, understanding the knowledge of God. This is one search in which there will be no disappointments. For Solomon tells you, you will understand. You will grow more intimate with God the more you study. The more you study His Word. The more you know of Him, the more you know of yourself. The more you know of yourself, the more you will note your need of Him. The more you see your own need, the more you see the love He has given to you. The more you see His love the more you will love and appreciate what he has done for you because you will know at this point that your salvation is not found in yourself or in your works, but completely and wholeheartedly in him. We talk a lot about faith. Now faith, simply put, is believing God. It's no deeper than that. Faith comes, as Paul says in Romans 10, 17, through hearing God's word. You must hear and believe what God says is important to have salvation. It's not your hearing or believing that saves you, but it shows your redemption. In believing the words you heard, you were accepted as a child of God. Note, this says you are saved by grace through faith. By hearing and believing, you show that there is a new heart in your chest. Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. If you have a new heart, then your search for wisdom will never be in vain. It will never be devoid of success, because wisdom comes only from the mouth of God. Knowledge and understanding are his alone to give. He gives them most graciously. He gives them to everyone who comes with an ear to hear and a heart to understand. No man coming to the word of God with a new heart will ever be lost. The scriptures are clear. The word of God is a light unto your path. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. It is truly wisdom for successful living. These are two very important principles for those who trust, for those who hope in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. Vanity and foolishness are the stamp of the wisdom of this world. You don't need either of these in your life. What you need is sound wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield of those who walk uprightly. For he guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Here, this is sound wisdom. It looks at things not in their self-appeal, but in their proper substance. It is sound because it is practical. It is indeed a hidden treasure. This is wisdom from which victories come. Walking in the wisdom of God brings victory to the believer. In fact, you're told that the victories are stored up in this wisdom for its followers. Those who walk in the wisdom of God are protected from the snares of Satan. I want to make sure you understand what this really means. It doesn't mean bad things will never happen to the Christian in this lifetime. What it means is that you cannot be waylaid from the path of righteousness if you're walking the path of God's wisdom. When you walk his path, you'll come to your final reward, eternal life. This life for the Christian is indeed fraught with danger, full of temptations, yet as you walk in God's wisdom, you're clothed in eternal security. No one, no one can snatch you out of God's hand. He will protect your place with him and see you safely home. The unbeliever struggles with every decision. He is never sure what it, its outcome will be. He flounders in the darkness of spiritual blindness. Proverbs 2.9 Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. This godly wisdom also brings to you a mastery over the things of life that are truly important. You don't have to struggle with the things the unbeliever struggles with. The study of God's word enlarges your understanding of the obligations of righteousness. It is this sound wisdom that guides your feet over every good path. This wisdom promises in 2 Timothy 3.17 to change you so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is a very important function. Of God's great wisdom. There's no difference. There's no difference in this aspect of wisdom and the aspect of wisdom that saves your soul. It is given as an act of God's great grace and mercy. It is a gift for your soul. We have observed the requirements for gaining wisdom, the receiving, obeying, and pursuing His word. We saw that it was an imperative. That all believers pursue the knowledge of God through the study of his word. What then does wisdom do for the believer in his everyday life? First, we notice that wisdom properly sought, found and hidden in the heart, will help you walk wisely and circumspectly. Proverbs 2 verses 10 and 11. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you. It is from the heart that the issues of life arise. Christ made clear. It is not what enters a man's mouth that defiles him, but what comes out of his mouth. Why? Because it comes from his heart. Wisdom that is not planted in a well-prepared heart is worthless. To have nothing more than a head knowledge is just plain ignorance. It can give nothing toward a life that will please God. Without the benefit of a new heart, knowledge is the head, and the head is dry, speculative, and barren. It cannot produce fruit. It will not produce fruit. Only when knowledge enters the heart will it produce fruit in the life. In the heart of a true believer, wisdom produces discretion and understanding. From the heart, wisdom becomes a preserving rule able to keep one spiritually safe. The man who delights in the law of the Lord is preserved for walking in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't have to walk in the counsel of the ungodly if you've got God's wisdom. Education, conviction, high moral standards are at best only partially successful. The man that has defeated alcoholism, he may be ever true to his pledge of abstinence, but if the root of bitterness that caused the alcoholism to start with is not removed, then he will just wallow in some other equally ruinous behavior. You can always, even without true wisdom, exchange wickedness for some decent formality that has absolutely no spiritual value at all. Such forsaken sin will only make way for some other less deadly passion. The heart that has been molded by the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only answer to the snares within and without. The second benefit of godly wisdom Is your everyday life is that it separates you from wickedness. Here's the best possible reason to teach your children the wisdom of God. What a fearful picture is given of the temptations of this world. It is the children who are at the greatest risk. The age of children getting involved in crimes is getting lower and lower every year. Why? Why would that be? Because they're not being taught wisdom. They are giving nothing in which to hope. They are being destroyed by suicide and crime because the church and parents have failed to give them the hope that comes only in Jesus Christ. We must teach them wisdom. Why? Proverbs 2, verses 12 through 15. To deliver you from the way of evil. From the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness and to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. What is the message of these words? It is that wisdom will save you. It will help you avoid the ways of the wicked. It will keep you from the words of the perverse. The word perverse paints a very clear picture. These are men whose mouth is unfit to listen to, whose heart is black as black can be, and whose minds seek ways to rebel against God. They are men who will not obey even the laws of nature. They walk around in total darkness. These men rail against the truth. They shout and rejoice in their sin and want to see just how sinful they can become. They push the limits to deception. To think in our day, this speaks to those who in the homosexual, transgender, climate change, woke communities. Only as we teach our children true wisdom will they be prepared to resist such falsehood. But it is not just the perverse they must guard against. Even those things which God has given, such as the marriage relationship, can bring temptation. I see far too many young women out of wedlock with a child in this very community. The thing that breaks my heart the most is how the churches have responded to them. They give them showers and treat them as members in good and regular standing of the church. They never call them accountable for their sin. The shame of sin is gone. The church and Christian parents must teach young people the wisdom of God. They must help young men to grow up being loving, faithful, and protective husbands and fathers. They must guide young women into being pure, thoughtful, and sensitive wives and mothers. Women who love and submit to their husbands and teach their children. Sin leads down the path to death. Sexual sins, perhaps the most deadly of all sins. Today, with the newer diseases that are sexually transmitted, that has new meaning. The only answer to this sin-filled lifestyle is the wisdom of God. These young people cannot avoid the sins of their own. They must have help, and that help comes only from the wisdom of God. Without that help, we are shown the results that befall the believer. Proverbs 2, verses 16 through 19. To deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of God, for her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the path of life. This lays out a path. This lays out the path sexual sin can follow and shows its great danger. It leads to death. And it is extremely hard to get off that path once you start down it. You know you must listen to the wisdom of God. You must follow it if you're to have eternal life. The final benefit of God's wisdom in your everyday life is that you can, through this wisdom, walk in goodness and righteousness. This is the greatest treasure of engrafted wisdom. Not only does God's wisdom deliver you from evil men, but guide you in the way of good men. When you are clothed in the armor of wisdom, you shall be filled with the courage of Joseph who was able to flee from the, the enticement of sin. Our God is a good God. He is a gracious God. But he is also a God of justice and wrath. He created this world to show his glory, and all men will show forth his glory. Not one will escape. Glory will come from every one of them. It doesn't matter if they believe or not. They will show God's glory through their life and destiny. The wisdom of God is in play in the lives of everyone in this world. You can see that wisdom of God bringing out a contrast of two lifestyles. The lifestyle of the believer and that of the unbeliever. Both show forth one or more attributes of God on their lives. The believer shows love and righteousness on his life. The unbeliever shows wrath on his. Let's look at the two types of lifestyle shown in the Scripture. A specific promise is made to believers, to those who embrace God's wisdom. Proverbs 2.21 For the upright will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. One thing, one thing you must understand between the Old and New Testaments is the language God uses. In the Old Testament, he didn't talk a lot about heaven. The promise he made was always in reference to the land, to the promised land. In Hebrews 4, you see that the promised land was always a veiled reference to heaven. All the promises made in regard to the land were to be seen as applying to heaven. He says the righteous will live in the land. As a believer, your citizenship is not in this world. It is in heaven. As one who is blameless, washed in the blood of Jesus, you will have eternal life with him in heaven. The true believer shall be rooted in the word of God, able to walk in the ways of righteousness. He will have a place in the promised land in eternal rest. The wicked may enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, but in the end they will be cut off and cast away. But the wise will live forever, enjoying the pleasures of heaven for an eternity. What about the wicked? What about those who never received Christ as their Savior? Who never want Him as their Savior? Proverbs 2, verse 22. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. There is no hope of eternal life for those who will not give proper regard to God's wisdom. The message throughout Scripture is clear. It is shouted, He who has an ear, let him hear. God issues His call to all men. He calls them to come. He calls them to believe on his son and be saved. The warning is equally as clear to those who fail to hear and believe. All who refuse to hear and believe will be cut off from the pleasures of an eternity with God and will be separated on that last great day. They shall be forever removed from the presence of the righteous and cast into the lake of fire for eternity. In conclusion, let me plead with you. Let me beg you not to close your ears to God's wisdom. Open your ears and hear his glorious invitation. The call is still being issued. It calls all, all to come and hear and believe. To believe and trust in Jesus Christ is to acknowledge the wisdom of God in your need of it. Here in this book, we call the Bible, is the written record of that wisdom as it was given to us by Jesus Christ. To study God's word is to grow in your relationship with your heavenly father and in your understanding of his son, your Lord and and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom the very wisdom of God is revealed to man. The ultimate goal of every believer must be shown forth that wisdom is in their lives as you do as you show forth that wisdom in your life his wisdom draws you ever closer to your creator which was God's plan from before the foundation of this world Job asked the question where will wisdom be found the answer is in Jesus Christ and his works of redemption for that is the plan of God for his people if you desire in your heart To be a child of God, then you must turn to Jesus Christ. You must place your hope in Christ and in him alone. For there is no other name under heaven or earth that can save you from your sin and fill your heart with righteousness. Please, come to Jesus Christ and learn the wisdom of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, We come to you with hearts of excitement because we have heard your message. You're our God and you're light. In you, there is no darkness at all. We cannot know light and still walk in darkness. You have promised that as we walk in the light, you will be there with us and you will have fellowship with us. We will be able to have fellowship with one another and the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, will purify us from all sin. What a glorious promise you have given us. Now help us to stay true to this promise and walk in the light. We thank you in Christ Jesus' name for your love and grace. Amen.